baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We would like to welcome to our show Mark Goldberg, who has a new book out called Let Dogs Be Dogs, Understanding Canine Nature and Mastering the Art of Living with Your Dog. Hi, Mark. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me. It is our distinct pleasure because we have so many dog people in our audience. Were you a dog person before you wrote this book? I think I was uh, I, I was born a dog person. Um, <laughs> I was born in the year of the dog to a father who was born in the year of the dog and the Chinese year of the dog. And in fact, um, I would say the first way that I earned pocket money was training dogs for my teachers at the age of 12 because I started studying it when I was 11. So I, I was kind of a child bride to this stuff. <laughs> That's so good. Now, uh, how did you hook up with the, the monks of New Skeet? What was that like? And where did you find them? Did they find you? How did that work? Well, it was really um, kind of serendipity because here I am, a Jewish guy, and my second family is is a group of an order of monks at a monastery on top of a mountain, <laughs> literally. So um, it, it's quite a funny story. But I was uh, I've been a dog trainer in one way or another uh, almost all my life, and so um, I, I kind of came up reading the books that the monks of New Skeet wrote. They were discovered by Life magazine in the early 70s, and then by the late 70s, they wrote a best-selling book called How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And that book sold 600,000 copies, which is huge in the dog world. And then they followed that up with The Art of Raising a Puppy. And eventually, we ran into one another at a, at a conference, at a dog trainer's conference. And Brother Christopher, who is the head trainer there, and I, we just sort of clicked and eventually I visited the monastery to see what was going on there, and I was just, um, I was just hooked by the, by, by the peace, the tranquility, and the, and the good dog work that was going on there. So I just began to go back and back, formed relationships, and eventually we, we came up with the idea for this book, Let Dogs Be Dogs. What, do you, what did you learn from their methodology? What was an eye-opener for you, Mark? Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that we were, we, we all came up at a similar time and in similar ways. So I think what really struck me was how we had drawn so many of the same conclusions, which is that dogs need guidance, they need leadership, but that need not be harsh. And at the same time, it need not be permissive. So I, I think what really struck me was the deep humility, the deep modesty, uh, that the monks have, combined with a, a really strong drive to help their clients, because they train dogs for clients, part of what they do in their order to support themselves, the, the deep desire that they have to help their clients connect better with their dog. And so we sort of coined a phrase, compassionate authority. This is what we're looking for with dogs, because Authority without compassion is just mean, and people either shouldn't do it or shouldn't want to do it. And compassion without authority is 
so permissive that dogs can get themselves into trouble, Sue. So <laughs> what we're looking to do is to combine those two elements um, in, into one, compassionate authority, so that we can help dogs to be um, wrapped better around what their owners need. And also, we want our owners to be reasonable with their dogs. The, the, the change does not start with the dog. Change starts with the human, because we're in charge of this relationship, really. So um, monks, I found, are very good about helping people transform their lives. So this was a pretty natural connection for us. I've noticed recently, Mark, that people do personify their dogs quite a bit. And uh, are, are we going too far with our with our love and, 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 of course, putting pants on them and stuff? Well, that, Sue, that is exactly why we named the book what we did, <laughs> you know, because we, we ultimately um, do our dogs a service if we honor their nature. So let dogs be dogs doesn't mean we'll just let them do whatever they want, but it means respect the creature that is the dog. Um, and listen, um, in some ways it is like parenting children. And what, what I can tell you is I had, let me tell you a quick story. I had a, a mother and daughter in with their extremely naughty dog here. In, you know, I'm in, based in the Chicago area. So they were here at my facility. And the daughter was 28 and, and you know, mom was in her 50s, I guess. And as I was explaining to these ladies who loved their terribly naughty little dog, the, the essence, the philosophy of how we were going to approach this, I, I began to stress the, the, the nature of parenting. And the first thing that we have to do with our dogs is to teach them the rules of civilized behavior to keep them out of doggy jail, you know, if you will, out of the shelter. And that resonated, so I kind of kicked it up into high gear. We, we dog trainers love analogies. That's like our thing because it helps connect people to the reality that we have in our mind, right? And so I said, so for example, Mom, you wouldn't have been drinking with your daughter here when she was 15. You know, you don't line up shots on her 15th birthday. You know, because the first thing we have to do with our kids is teach them the rules of civilized behavior. But then when they're old enough, yeah, cocktail's a good thing to share. And they, Sue, they both cracked up. <laughs> they started laughing. They looked guilty. And, and, and I said, well, okay, what happened here? And, and the mother looked at me and said, well, I was never going to win the Mother of the Year Award. <laughs> You're raising my daughter. <laughs> so I think they did line up shots on her 15th birthday. But with our dogs, I think it's a lot better to prioritize parenting them first and buddying up second. But so many of us just want to be loved really hard, deep, and long that we go right to the friendship aspect of the relationship and we skip all of the rules of civilized behavior, and that's what gets dogs in trouble. Okay. So uh, from the very beginning, when we uh, meet a dog for the first time, we have to understand that they want an authority figure, right, Mark? They thrive on it. You know, they, they need it. Here's an, another quick story to illustrate that. Um, I trained a dog for a lady who, and this dog was terrible. I mean, literally the week before she was going to bring him to me, she called me in tears because he had jumped out a slightly open window in her moving car. And he was due in, and so she had to cancel the training because the dog was lost. Jumped out of a moving car. And she was obviously super distressed. But she called me a couple days later. The dog was wearing a tag, and he was found, so she brought him to me. And I trained him, and he trained up lovely. I mean, the, the concept to that particular dog that there were rules that he had to follow, it was a little alien at first, but eventually it made him happy because dogs are born to follow a leader. And, and, and by the way, compassionate leadership means 
we use everything that the dog likes in order to bring him around our way of thinking, right? So as I was explaining these concepts to her, her mouth dropped open and she stopped me and she said, you know, I'm a child psychiatrist and you are telling me exactly everything that I tell the parents of my patients that the rules are invisible and that children will test them and that they depend upon the parents to reinforce those rules so that the children know that they are in place because the, the guidance of those rules is what makes children feel safe, which was a little mind-blowing to me, like it's such a similar concept. And I asked her, well, then why didn't you do it for your dog? And she laughed and she said, because he's my baby and no doctor should treat herself. Wow. She, she, she had you there. Sure. Yeah, she sure did. So I was glad to be of help, but the concepts are very similar. And you know, most people intuitively, on some level, know how to raise children because we're all of the same species. We're human, right? But we look at the dog. We, we might look at a 12-week-old puppy, and we see a creature who is alert and fast, lightning-fast reflexes, intelligent, exploring the world. So we forget that we need to guide them, observe them interrupt behavior that we don't like and guide it back to behavior for which we can reward. Because if we don't do that, that puppy is going to eat right through an electrical cord and get hurt. So guidance is an important thing that we do for our kids, but we, we tend to not apply it so much towards our dogs, and that's getting dogs into trouble daily. Well, I want to ask you one more question, Mark, about a lot of people now are getting dogs from rescue groups or shelters. Now, what advice do you have for them? Because a lot of times those dogs are grown and they have certain habits. Well, that's a really good point. First, let me state that I support this. Um, you can teach an old dog new tricks. We do it all the time. The last six or seven of my dogs I acquired that way, and they all turned out wonderful. I'm, I'm living right now with two dogs I've had for years that were rescue dogs. But you're right, they can come preloaded with certain kinds of problems. So the first thing I would do would be to look very carefully at the track record of the rescue. Do as much research as you can before taking a dog from a particular rescue because some of them are extremely reputable and unbelievably diligent about vetting the dogs and checking their behavior before putting them out on the street. But then there are slightly less reputable um, shelters who are just more anxious about pushing dogs out to make room for more dogs, which, of course, is a benevolent thing to do, but sometimes they push out dogs with serious behavior problems. And um, then I think the, the next best thing you can do is when taking a dog home, prioritize education first and um, buddy up second. So it's not that you won't love your new dog. You should. You, you will and you should. But I think the, the first maybe couple of weeks, it's a good idea to crate that dog at night and maybe let him drag a leash around during the day when you're watching him only so it's safe. But um, this way, if you run into a problem, you can just pick up the leash and guide the dog back to where you want him instead of grabbing the dog or his collar. And that will come across a lot more benign to the dog. So we have a lot of resources about this kind of stuff at letdogsbedogs.org. So your listeners can go there and, and look up more more stuff. But I, I'm really in favor of rescuing dogs, but we have to be sensible about this, too. 
I agree with that uh, 100%, and uh, I hope that people don't shy away from it. I know it can be challenging, and, and sometimes you get uh, into a situation that's unpredictable. Um, is there ever a point, Mark, when you think that somebody should return one of those animals if it's just not working out for them? Well, I, I personally, I think people with small children in the house should have a fairly low threshold for people or human-oriented aggression. The problem with this is, um, Sue, that um, rambunctiousness and aggression can look a little similar. So for some people, it might be a bit hard to tell apart. And I would say don't make excuses for the dog. If he's growling at your child and he's fairly new in the house within the first month, it might actually get worse rather than get better unless you seek professional help. So I always urge people to contact a really reputable, very experienced professional dog trainer for an evaluation if you have doubts. But, you know, if, if your dog is on the couch, it's not necessarily a bad thing. My dogs are all over my couch. But if your children can't get up there next to the dogs because the dogs object, it's, it's time to call for some help and get a, get a professional eyeball on that. All right. Uh, Mark Goldberg, Let Dogs Be Dogs is uh, your new book. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show today, and uh, we wish you well in your future with all these beautiful animals. Thank you, Sue. All right. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 